This guy is a great big phony. If a body meets a body coming through the right. Okay. If a body kiss a body need a body cry. Okay, 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 okay. Hey there, hi there, ho there, and welcome back to the Okay Gatsby colon. Catcher in the Y. You got it. We're talking about chapters 13 and 14. Um, this is some serious, I think like some like kind of core novel character stuff happening in these chapters. I'm pumped. Definitely some of the bleakest parts of the whole book. Very bleak. Yeah, one way to put it is bleak. Another way to put it is core character stuff. But yeah, like depressing for sure. But also coming of age stuff. Is well, yeah, like, a, lot of, a lot of adult world bumping in on him in a way that is so... Literally violent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna. Yeah, those, there's some bumps for sure. Uh, yeah, this is there's this is these this is core stuff. This is like um, these are very important chapters. I mean, yeah, these are some of the most memorable scenes in the book. God, a lot of characters revealed. It's just really intense. So Don't now he's around. he walks all the way back to the hotel. Uh, Forty one gorgeous blocks from Eddie's, right? From Ed, uh, yeah, or, or yeah, what Ernie's, Ernie's. Oh, Ernie's. Sorry, Ernie. Uh, I didn't do it because I felt like walking or anything. It was more because I didn't feel like getting in and out of t- another taxi cab. <laughs> Which is like, probably just because you fight with every cab driver. Yeah, you don't have they won't go to get a drink with you. Is it, yeah, you just don't have another discussion about why Why won't you drink with me? Yeah. Or he, tell me about the ducks. Yeah, he goes, sometimes you get tired of riding in taxi cabs the same way you get tired of riding in elevators. I don't know if I really feel that feeling. Yeah. Do you have an elevator at work? I do. Do you ride it? Yes. Do you ever climb the stairs? Uh no not I can only go down the stairs I can't go up the stairs. Okay, what floor are you on? I am on the third floor. Okay, so it's like I could take the stairs down, but it's like available. Eh, What's the point? Better. Yeah, yeah. So that's you don't get no one ever gets tired of riding elevators. I certainly don't. I don't know. Um, but again, he's saying like he he feels like it. He doesn't know why. He feels like it. These are all triggers for look out. Holden is telling you. He's sad about something. Yeah, he all of a sudden is like he had to walk out of a hotel just because acquaintance like ruined his night and now he's sad again and alone yeah yeah he wants to walk by himself yeah so um oh yeah okay yeah it was freezing cold and i took my red hand hunting hat out of my pocket and put it on i didn't give a damn how i looked hunting hat as we discussed just a lot of different things individuality nonconformity comfort he didn't give a damn yeah Usually, like, puts it, yeah, he's putting it on usually where it's like, it's like, screw you, I'm holding Caulfield. I'm holding Caulfield. I feel bad, but I'm still myself. Yeah. As, as long as I have his hat, I'm still myself. Yeah. And God damn it. That's There's a lot of I scenes am. where, like, yeah, he's having a fight with somebody. He's kind of standing his ground. He'll use the hat. He'll play with the hat or he'll put it on or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then he says, I wish I knew who'd swipe my gloves at Pensy. So, kind of a callback to, like, Every rich school has a bunch of thieves, like the nice yeah, school. Yeah, a bunch of crooks, yeah. And then here he talks about bravery. He goes, I'm one of those very yellow guys. I try not to show it, but I am. For instance, if I'd find out at Pensy who'd stolen my gloves, I probably would have gone down to the crook's room and said, okay, how about handing over those gloves? Then the crook that had stolen them probably would have said, his voice very innocent and all, what gloves? Then I would probably would have done... I would have gone in his closet and found the gloves somewhere hidden in his goddamn galoshes or something, for instance. <laughs> I'd have taken them out and showed them to the guy and said, I suppose they're, they're these are your goddamn gloves. Then the crook would... No, 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 I'm sorry. I suppose these are your goddamn gloves. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you say that. Then the crook probably would have given me this very phony, innocent look and said, I never saw those gloves before in my life. If they're yours, take them. I don't want the goddamn things. Then I probably would have just stood there for about five minutes and what I like about this passage, one, it really reveals how, like, he, he is afraid of confrontation, but two, how deeply afraid of confrontation. Because I do this all the time where yeah. it's like, okay, I'm going to have to confront this person, <laughs> and this is probably how it's going to go. <laughs> I'm going to go. They're going to say this. I'm going to say that. I'm going to be standing there like an idiot for, like... <laughs> yeah, the visualization, the, like, playing it all out in your head. That he didn't confront the thief, but knows exactly... Like, Clearly thought for hours about yeah. how confronting this thief would go. And he knows himself. I like how he knows himself, and he knows that he wouldn't fight the guy. So, yeah, go on. Uh, he knows himself. Uh, then I probably would have just stood there for about five minutes. I'd have the damn gloves right in my hand and all, but I'd feel I'd ought to sock the guy in the jaw or something. Break his goddamn jaw. Only one to have the guts to do it. I'd just stand there, trying to look tough. What I might do, I might say something very cutting and snotty to rile him up. 
instead of socking him in the jaw. Pause there. Obviously, this is a very Holden Caulfield uh, way of going about things, just being a wise ass instead of yeah, being confrontational. Like, what I'll do is I'll get him to punch me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, if I did say something very cutting and snotty, he'd probably get up and come over to me and say, listen, Caulfield, are you calling me a crook? And this is the part that's very funny to me. Then instead of saying, you're goddamn right I am, you dirty crooked bastard, <laughs> all I would have, all I probably would have said would be, all I know is my goddamn gloves were in your goddamn galoshes. <laughs> that's such the, I, that line has been said by a million cowards yeah. a, a million times. Yeah. All like, I'm saying. Yeah, they know, they sense that you're not going to fault, and they, they go, all right. Well, here's all the evidence I have. You make the conclusion, so I don't have to say it. Right. In, in case the 1% chance I'm wrong. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm just saying. I'm just saying the beer was in the fridge, and now it's not, and you're drunk. So that's yeah. all I'm saying. All, all I'm saying is I had six cookies when I left the apartment. Now I have three cookies. You tell me. And the only person in the apartment was you. <laughs> you just sound weak when you say stuff like this. Which yeah. I, which, yeah. Yeah. It's like, just accuse the guy. <laughs> if you're wrong, you go, I'm sorry, I had this evidence, and I made accusations. Yeah, right. It could go on like that for hours. <laughs> and yeah, it's such a funny, like, that is that is totally how guys who are terrified of confrontation approach all this stuff. Uh, anyway, that's what I thought about the whole way back to the hotel. So he's thinking about just this co- imaginary confrontation yep. for 41 blocks in Manhattan. That's a, lo- <laughs> that's a long way. That yeah. is a long walk. That's a and lot he's of- just thinking about, like, it doesn't even know the guy. It's just imagining fighting a guy who, a faceless man who stole his gloves. Yeah, but he's feeling. Yeah, right now he feels. But not his even gloves. like in his fantasy is he winning this fight. He's like he's backing down in the fight in his head. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, a lot of this is like Holden telling you about himself, right? And he's getting kind of getting to know himself in the process. But we can tell there's times where he definitely doesn't know himself, right? There's times where he's he's just totally wrong about what he says about himself. Yeah, this seems to be. He's accurately pinning himself down as a coward. Yeah, he's like, this is the kind of guy I am, and we'll uh, kind of see that. Well, this will be that's a bit. This is a big episode for the, his cowardice. And then he says, "This is maybe I'm not all yellow. I don't know. I think maybe I'm just partly yellow and partly the type that doesn't give much of a damn if they lose their gloves, <laughs> which is also the 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 refuge of uh, a person who is yellow. <laughs> I don't even want him. Yeah, I don't, I don't want him anymore. Care whatever. I don't care about. But him. how about like I never seem to have anything that if I lost it, I'd care too much. Maybe that's why I'm partly yellow. Like he. Like, it doesn't. He tries not to hold on to anything too tightly. Yeah. Because if he does lose it, he knows that he's not gonna fight someone over it. <laughs> and it is just like I know where he's coming from. That is a genuine. Like I mean, I lose shit all the time, and I'm like, oh well, I, I don't actually care about this t-shirt. So yeah. <laughs> but about yeah. this, about this next part where he says he's not good at fighting. I'm just no good at it though. I'd rather push a guy out the window or <laughs> chop his head off. <laughs> Chop his head off with an axe and suck him in the jaw. I hate fist fights. I don't mind getting hit so much, although I'm not crazy about about it naturally. But what scares me most in a fist fight is the guy's face. I can't stand looking at the other guy's <laughs> face is my trouble. I wouldn't be so bad if you could both be blindfolded <laughs> or something. It's a funny kind of yellowness when you come to think of it. But it's yellowness, all right. I'm not kidding myself. He's afraid because he's afraid because the other guy's face. I think he. I mean, my Holden, favorite is like I don't mind getting punched in the face. Yeah, yeah, sure you don't. Obviously. I can handle that. What yeah. I can't handle is a bean face. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I think it speaks. I mean, like, would you agree that Holden is very empathetic, or is empathic? Sorry, he yes. feels empathy a lot. Yeah, he definitely is able to put himself in other people's shoes. As we see, like, yeah. later is he and the earlier sm- the smallest um, like interaction you could see like oh from their perspective they they probably he's imagining the door the doorman's like life he goes oh this guy probably didn't want to be a doorman and he's a doorman he like imagines like Mm -hmm. the he wants to take the cabbies out for drinks he imagines ernie and uh, all the all his lives he imagines the girls from the girls from middle of nowhere like you know what they did all day yeah he imagines uh i mean just a lady at the date who had to be bored by listening to this guy she's like oh i can imagine being her and yeah yeah yeah, so I think this might be an extension of that. And God, is Salinger so consistent with characterization? It's almost like scary. That's what I think. It's like, it's like almost like that's what's like. I think it's like, that's what's like psychopathic about this novel. Almost is like how inside your head, his head, you are. Yes, you are so far inside of your, his head. You're seeing everyone else in his empathy. You're like it's. A, it's you're you're just fully. You're fully inside a seventeen year old boy. <laughs> <laughs> Hold for edit. 
Yeah, so I think that's what this is. is it like, I mean, like he wouldn't like being punched, but also he can't stand hurting somebody and seeing how much pain he put them in. Or even just he doesn't like seeing someone that ang- I took it as someone that angry and like that ugly and twisted. Because you know when you throw a punch, like you're biting your lip or you're making a weird cross-eyed face. I can't stand looking at the other guy's face. Yeah. I can't stand looking at the guy's it w- face. Because it wouldn't be so bad if you could both be blindfolded or yeah. something. Yeah. <laughs> because, <laughs> yeah, it's... It's just that's also very funny because that's like that's also like weakling guys do. They're yeah. like in these circumstances, if like you bothered my little sister and you, I told you what not yeah. to do that once, and then you did it again, and we weren't around anymore. Yeah, weak guy. <laughs> yeah, weak cowards always have like their rules. We're like, this is when I would fight somebody. Yeah, um, which I get. I would never fight anybody. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm not gonna fight anyone unless yeah. the most extreme circumstances come up. I'd fight you if it made if it made the more podcast better. <laughs> yeah, I would. Yeah, I, to to <laughs> to blow this pot the last up. Last episode, would. Terrence and I will get. We will fight. A fight. <laughs> That's a promise. We will fight. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Yeah. Uh, then he wants a drink. Hick, the more I thought about my gloves and my illness, the more depressed I got, and I decided while I was walking and all to stop love and have a drink somewhere. So that is like a very that is like. A very city line of like you walk forty one blocks in a big city, you hate yourself the whole time, and then <laughs> you go, you know what? I ran out of patience for myself. I need to get a drink. A <laughs> uh, time for a drink. That is yes, that has happened to me in several cities. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he thinks he can drink all night and not even show it. Yeah, that's such a that's such a teenage boy thing. So bragging yeah. about how much he can drink. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, be careful. Um, but also, yeah, he, here's where he doesn't know himself. Obviously, so he goes. Uh, Raymond Goldfarb and I bought a pint of scotch and drank it in the chapel one Saturday night where nobody would see us. He got stinking, but I hardly even I hardly didn't even show it. I just got very cool and nonchalant. <laughs> <laughs> I puked before I went to bed, but I didn't really have to. I forced myself. Yeah, such uh, a yeah. such a teenage boy of like I drank that whole bottle of scotch. I puked because like I felt like I should, but like I didn't have. Or to. it'd be like, oh, I had a, I had a weird dinner. It's like, oh, you had a weird dinner, and then you had uh, half a pint of scotch. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the dinner's fault. It's the dinner. Yeah, you're a great drinker. Uh, so so funny, so classic seventeen year old. Yeah, and then the bar stinks. Okay, no, no, how about the guys? Uh, the guys. Uh, um, they come talk out to him. Yeah. Uh, so he wants to go to this hotel. He wants to go to this dumpy-looking bar, but two guys came out, drunk as hell, and wanted to know where the subway was. One of them was this very Cuban-looking guy and kept breathing his stinking breath in my face while I gave him directions. I ended up not even going in the damn bar. I just went back to the hotel. So he's thrown off the whole idea just by guys who were coming out of the bar. Like He's so sensitive. Yes. Extre- like, oh, th- I've been throwing off my very easy plan. Of yeah. Just go in this building, and two guys come out, ask for directions, and this breath smells bad. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of like when I'm when I'm like very depressed. If it's like, oh, okay, well, yeah, uh, instead of uh, instead of um, the instead of this show is gonna be at seven thirty instead of seven, and I go, ah, forget it, I'm not even gonna go. It's oh, like the yeah. smallest thing. Uh, I, I act like it's gonna be. It's that's a problem for me. Like oh, I I can't. Too bad. Seven thirty can't do it. Sorry. Um, like you want you he wants to go home. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, I got in this big mess. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great. That's its own paragraph. I didn't notice that the, f- the first time. That's its own paragraph, and it really is true. <laughs> yeah, this is huge. Okay. All, and it's also all of a sudden, like it wasn't. There wasn't a whole evening of like I've been depressed. I've been drinking a lot. Yep. <laughs> I'm in this terrible hotel. It's not all of a sudden. You were in a huge mess this whole time. <laughs> yeah, you're you're currently running away from. Prep school you got kicked out of prep school. Are hiding from your parents. Yeah, stay in, in a hotel that's a lover's hotel. He's a missing person. I mean, like no one knows he's gone. It's so weird that no one. It's very 1960s that no one knows he's gone. But no one knows he's gone. He's gone. Yeah, he's a missing person. Yeah, he's off the grid. So yeah, things have been in a mess for a while. But this is, to be fair, probably the worst. Probably the peak of the the mess. But here we go. Yeah. The first thing when I got in the elevator, the elevator guy said to me, interested in having a good time, fella, or is it too late for you? How do you mean, I said. I didn't know what he was driving at or anything. Interested in a little tale tonight? Me, I said, which was a very dumb answer, but it's quite embarrassing <laughs> when somebody comes right up and asks you a question like that. How old are you, chief? The elevator guy said. Why, I said, 22. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> well, how about it? You interested? Five bucks a throw, fifteen bucks the whole night. So, 
that becomes important later. Yeah. And obviously, this is from a biased source. Yeah. But that that first price is a point of contention. That's right. He looked at his wristwatch. Till noon. Five bucks a throw, 15 bucks till noon. Okay, I said. It was against my principles and all, but I was feeling so depressed I didn't even think. That's the whole trouble. When you're feeling very depressed, you can't even think. Very wise. Yes. And, like, clearly he's saying this in hindsight with some understanding about himself. Which is, that's interesting. Because sometimes he does it. He does, sometimes he gets it. Other times he doesn't get it. He's like, I, I was not being myself. Yeah. I, I don't like, I didn't want to do this. I don't usually do this stuff. But he's had a very long night. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay, what? A throw till noon? A throw or till noon? I got to know. Just a throw. Okay, what room you in? I looked at the red thing with my number on it and my key. 1222, I said. I was already sort of sorry I'd let the whole thing start rolling, but it was too late now. Yeah, I like that. Like, he's gotten away from him just because he said, okay, it's, now he has to follow through. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'll send up a girl in about 15 minutes. He opened the doors and got out. Hey, is she good looking? I asked him. I don't want any old bag. <laughs> <laughs> no old bag. Don't worry about it, Chief. Who do I pay? Her, he said. Let's go, Chief. He shut the doors practically right in my face. Yeah, and then, okay, so then he's in his room, and he's like, he's very nervous so about So this is a big moment date. for yeah. anyone, but... He's in a hotel about to have a prostitute come to his room. Again, it'd be so good in a movie. Like you can see him like you can see the montage of him like changing shirts and then yeah. trying to comb his, his he said his his hair is too short to He to, like, throws comb some it. water in his hair. Yeah. He I don't know. Tested to see if his breath stank. He's he brushed his teeth. Uh yeah, he got a clean shirt. I knew I didn't have to get all dolled up for a prostitute or anything, but it sort of gave me something to do. I was a little nervous. I was starting to feel pretty sexy and all, but I was a little <laughs> nervous anyway. If you want to know the truth, I'm a virgin. I really am. <laughs> yeah, I really am. Can you believe it? Uh, Can you believe it? Me, yeah, a 16-year-old so boy who has mental breakdowns all the time? <laughs> <laughs> he explains why he's a virgin. Which is yes. Kinda, it's kind of complicated and interesting. Yes. I've had quite a few opportunities to lose my virginity and all, but I've never got around to it yet. Which is a weird way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> Getting around to <laughs> it. Getting around to it. Something always happens. For instance, if you're at a girl's house, her parents always come home at the wrong time. Classic teenage problem. Yep. Or you're afraid they will. If you're in the back seat of somebody's car, there's always somebody's date in the front seat. Some girl, I mean, that always wants to know what's going on all over the whole goddamn <laughs> car. <laughs> all over the whole wide car, the whole car. Now that that I get, like that's a classic. That's yep. in this, that seventies show. That they seem to be like a big drive-in thing where you yep. and your buddy would go on a double date and you each would pick a row of the of yep. the car and you like lay down. I personally have not had that experience of two couples in a car. Like I'm gonna work to make out in the front seat. You make it out. It's the a back. throwback. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, it's like it's hard to find a place that's not home. I think. Uh, I think basements sort of uh, usurped this position. Yes. Uh, I think everyone we know. Either like got close or the generation of the finished basement. Is yeah, at <laughs> <laughs> the rumpus room. Yeah, uh, this is before they had those things. Their basements were too gross. Uh, let's see. So here. yeah, then but it's also yeah. like I understand like the the nosy friend of the girl who's yeah. like, "What are you guys doing?" Right, because I mean, yeah, I, I mean even with like double dates when they someone's like, "Oh, you guys are getting along." And right, it's like, right. Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird thing, and that the friends being responsible with that whatever. Uh, anyway, something always happened. I came quite close to doing it a couple times, though. One time in particular, I remember something went wrong, though. I don't even remember what anymore. The thing is, most of the time when you're com- coming pretty close to doing it with a girl, a girl that isn't a prostitute or anything, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> she keeps telling you to stop. The trouble with me is I stop. Most guys don't. I can't help it. You never know whether they really want you to stop or whether they're just scared as hell or whether they're just telling you to stop so that if you do... You go through with it. The blame will be on you, not them. Anyway, I keep stopping. The trouble is I get to feeling sorry for them. I mean, most girls are so dumb and all. After you neck them for a while, you can really watch them losing their brains. You can really watch them losing Losing their their brains. brains. Yeah. You take a girl when she really gets passionate, she just hasn't any brains. I don't know. They tell me to stop, so I stop. I always wish I hadn't after I take them home, but I keep doing it anyway. A lot to unpack. Yes. Needless to say. All right. So Holden is uh, he's empathetic because he doesn't want to push the way that Stradletter does. Yes. He doesn't want to be overly. Ass- he doesn't want to be. What he sees is overly assertive uh, in these situations. Yeah. Modern times, we have different definitions of these things. Yep. <laughs> All that's a given. We understand. Yeah. Uh, given everything. Yes. yes. <laughs> we understand. But I think 
yeah, it's uh, it is you just say I I get feeling sorry for them. I mean, most girls are so dumb and all. Okay, so he does reveal a c- contempt for. <laughs> but what's interesting is he says that they're dumb once you start necking them. Yes. What do you make of that? Uh, I think, which is a weird accusation because I've never heard this, but that he's saying that teenage girls can't handle being horny, which is like, I obviously it's both, but that he's like I'm the reasonable one and they're being the 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 person who can't make reasonable decisions right now. Yeah. It's kind of a a little bit of a lack of self-awareness in this situation. I think, yeah, I think so for sure. I mean, like, yeah, they're emotional. Um, I don't know. Yeah, this reminds me of the thing with uh, with Jane Gallagher where he, he seems to understand that something is happening with her emotions. Yeah. But he doesn't really understand what, so right? So he's just like, it's basically the same thing of like, women are crazy, man. <laughs> yeah, it's like an oversimplification of a very complex emotion, I think is what's happening. Yes. He fails to understand, like, he has empathy and sympathy for women in, situ- in situations where they don't want to be in. More so than uh, other guys his age, he says. Yeah. Yes. But he has trouble reading the nuance of women's behavior. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which um, is normal for a teenage guy, especially in 1947. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever this was. But it's interesting because, like, right, he's uh, it's the it's the same machismo and, like, uh, a focus on sex that we both grew up with that anybody, any adolescent male grows up with is, like, are you having sex? Yes. Um, talking and about the, that so much. Yeah. It's definitely – he rejects machismo. Yep. He doesn't approach it with a, a much more nuanced perspective, but he's just like, look, they say a thing – I'm gonna I'm gonna stop. Yeah, and with the fighting and the sex. Yeah, already in this chapter. Yeah, yeah. He and maybe that's it. Maybe that's also like I should like because he feels entitled. Like if I did go through, no one would be mad at me. Right. But I can't. And he's like, oh, they're just dumb. He just writes it off. They're dumb. He, clearly, there's a lot of things going on that he isn't addressing. So he just writes it off as women. Uh, girls are dumb when they get passionate. So then he talks about this uh, this next this next chunk is again like about sexual prowess. He brings up uh, Monsieur Blanchard, um, how he can uh, he can all he did was beat women with a club, <laughs> beat women off with a club. So like I think he, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at first I was like, is this guy? No, he's not hitting women. No, no. he's like just uh, with a lot of women. He's just yeah, he's real with a lot of women. So he says that w- a woman's body is like a violin, and then he expresses that he cannot play that violin. Yes. Holden says he can't ever find what he's looking for. But he wants to play that violin well. Yeah, for when he's married. Isn't that, yes. Isn't that cute? He says for when he's married. It is remarkable. It's like, oh, that is... It's kind of simple. Con- empathy for like, oh, I want women to enjoy having sex with me. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a very... But yeah, Caulfield and his magic vo- violin boy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I that line. It's corny, I realize, but it isn't too corny. I wouldn't mind being pretty good at that stuff. Half the time, if you really want to know the truth, when I'm horsing around with a girl, I have a hell of a lot of trouble just finding what I'm looking for. For God's sake, if you know what I mean. I do. We know what you mean, Holden. <laughs> Take this girl that I just missed having sexual intercourse with that I told you about. It took me about an hour to just get her goddamn brassiere off. By the time I did get it off, she was about ready to spit in my eye. <laughs> spit in my eye. What, like, like, what is that? Like, from, like, like, what, like a llama does or something? What is that? I think it's just, just like her staring angry at his face. Yeah. And contempt. Been there before, brother. You, you, you can't figure out how to unhook the thing, and uh, it makes her mad. <laughs> so he gets a knock on the door, and he falls over his suitcase, <laughs> uh, getting to the door. I always, uh, I always pick a gorgeous time to fall over a suitcase or something. But uh, small little detail: he's not calling it his Gladstone here. Yeah, just a suitcase. Yeah, just a suitcase. Yeah, he's in a crummy hotel room, about to get a prostitute. These are just my suitcases. Leaving Pensy, my Gladstones. <laughs> my Gladstones. Uh, so she had a polo, the, the prostitute was standing there. She had a polo coat on and no hat. She was sort of blonde, but you could tell she dyed her hair. She wasn't any old bag though. How do you do? I said, suave as hell, boy. Do you want to do, we'll go back and forth doing yeah, the, uh, the dialogue? I'll be, I'll be the prostitute. Cause this, this is very funny. Uh, you the guy Maurice uh, said? Is he the elevator boy? Yeah. Yes, I am. Come in, won't you? Allowed me to introduce myself. My name is Jim Steele. You got a watch on you? Hey, how old are you anyways? Me? 22. Like fun you are. How old are you? Old enough to know better. You got a watch on you? Uh, no. No, I don't. (laughs) 
<laughs> What's your name? Sonny. Let's go, hey. Don't you feel like talking for a while? Are you in a very big hurry? What the heck you want to talk about? I don't know. Nothing special. I just thought perhaps you might care to chat for a while. Would you care for a cigarette now? I don't smoke. Listen, if you're going to talk, do it. I got things to do. You don't come from New York, do you? Hollywood. <laughs> sure. You got a hanger? <laughs> I don't want it. my dress all, all wrinkly. It's brand clean. Sure. Uh, do you work every night? Yeah. What do you do during the day? Sleep. Go to the show. Let's go, hey. I haven't got all... Look, I don't feel, feel very much myself... Very much like myself tonight. I've had a rough night. Honest to God. I'll pay you and all, but do you mind very much if we don't do it? Do you mind very much? What's the matter? Nothing's the matter. The thing is, I had an operation very recently. Yeah? Where? On my, what'd you call it? My clavicord. Yeah? Where the hell's that? The clavicord? Well, actually, it's in the spinal canal. I mean, it's quite a ways down in the spinal canal. Yeah? That's tough. You're cute. I'm still recuperating. You look like a guy in the movies, you know. Who's this? You know you know who I mean. What the heck's his name? I don't know. Sure you know. He was in that picture with um, Melvine Douglas. The one with Melvine Douglas's kid brother. That falls off this boat. You know who I mean. No, I don't. I go to the movies as seldom as I can. Do you mind cutting it out? I'm not in the mood. I just told you. I just had an operation. Listen, I was sleeping when that crazy Maurice woke me up. If you think I I'm said I'd pay you for coming and all, I really will. I have plenty of dough. It's just that I'm practically, I'm just recovering from a very serious. What the heck you tell that crazy Maurice you wanted a girl for then? If you just had a goddamn operation on your goddamn, what do you call it, huh? I thought I'd be feeling a lot better than I do. I was a little premature in my calculations. No kidding. I'm sorry. If you'll just get up a second, I'll get my wallet. I mean it. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Thanks a million. Uh, this is a five. It costs ten. Maurice said five. He said fifteen till noon and only five for a throw. Maurice said ten for a throw. He said five. I'm sorry. I really am, but that's all I'm going to shell out. Do you mind getting me my frock or would it be too much trouble? So long. So long, crumbum. So it's though there's a lot not going our on. best. Not our best interaction, but you know of, what? A lot of a lot of stuff we, we took a bold over. Let's see. My voice was all right. She's a prostitute from Hollywood. Right? This is like... DB this is, what, this is, what is... DB. Yeah. This is just DB. I'm a prostitute from Hollywood. She's literally where from movies are made. Yeah. She talks about movies. Talks about movies. Blah, She's blah, got blah. dyed hair. Yeah. Uh, it's all inauthenticity. I mean, that's at the core of this, of how inauthentic of an interaction this is. He's like, don't you want to check... Like, he... One, he's like, feels morally not right about this. Yep. From the beginning. From the beginning. From he, the elevator. He's got, yeah, he's very nervous about this whole thing, just morally. And then also, he's a 16-year-old boy who is about to lose his virginity. He's also going to be nervous there, too. He's very nervous, yeah. And it, well, there's she just pulls off her dress, so, like, immediately shattering any sense of, like, oh, there will be a little bit of romance here. Right, and this is what, and Holden says something about, like, um, he's like, uh, normally it's very sexy when a girl does that, but I didn't, I didn't feel anything. I just felt depressed. Yes. Uh, God. Sexy was about the last thing I was feeling. I yeah. felt much more depressed than sexy. Yeah. So then, yeah, so he eventually bails. It's like she pulls off the dress, and he's like, oh, man, I, I can't do this. Yeah. She's trying. She gets crude at points. I think there's, like, there's there's a lot of like a lot of like iceberg sort of language, right? Where like like she got really crude. It's like oh, she was just like kind of grabbing on him. Yeah, or she was just trying to like yeah. let's get this over with, buddy. Like you're, it's all right. You're cute. We're, and what's also funny is that they're the same age. They're uh, the same age. Yeah. Let me see. They're both uh, not 22, but they both say like they're old. Like they old both say they're better. 21, 22. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's see here. Um, but yeah whatever she says like oh she looked about my age and it's like here's two uh, 16 17 year olds 
acting like they're much older than they are. Yes. In order to have this extremely adult interaction, not even it's not even te- like t- just teenagers like having sex. It is like two adults having a transaction of a sexual yeah, nature. Yeah, transactional prostitute John sex. Yeah, neither of them are really. You can tell that neither of them are really good at it or like experienced. So that's interesting. When I when I thought back, I thought of it as an old prostitute. I think it was maybe conflating the lady on the phone from earlier with this prostitute mm-hmm. in my mind. But this is important that she's so young. We got to figure out what's going on with that. Yeah, because I think it's also like because he has a lot of empathy for her. Because he imagines because she takes off her green dress, wants to hang it up. She just got it. He likes hanging it up. Yeah, yeah. He's he gives him something to do. Yeah. Um. And it's. It's a great, like, it, he goes, yeah, here it is. I was only too glad to get up and do something. It took her, I took her dress over to the closet and hung it up for her. It was funny. It made me feel sort of sad when I hung it up. I thought of her going in a store and buying it, and nobody in the store knowing she was a prostitute and all. Huh. The salesman probably just thought she was a regular girl when she bought it. It made me feel sad as hell. I don't know why exactly. I don't know why exactly. Ding, he doesn't ding. know. You don't know why? Ding, ding. <laughs> you just had a bunch of empathy for everyone who... This woman and everyone she interacts with. Revealing character alert. Ding, but ding. also, like, she doesn't seem like a prostitute. Because yeah. I think the old bag is like, oh, at least there's, like, she looks like a prostitute. I can treat her as a just, prost- like, she's an object. This yep. prostitute is a prostitute. That's all she is. This is a human being. And he, this is a human being. She goes dress shopping. She's such a human being that <sighs> the salesman probably doesn't even realize that she's a prostitute. Yes. He That's also important. feels weird for the salesman who's like, oh, this guy is interacting with these people on that, the fringes of society without even knowing. Yeah. He has layer, imaginary empathy for imaginary people and a very real empathy for the people right in front of him. Yeah. But, yeah, she also comes from Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. He, she, she, uh, uh, besides, I don't think I could ever do it with somebody that sits in a stupid movie all day. I really don't think I could. He's yeah, he's throwing whatever he can at the wall for yeah, why he course, can't have ha- sleep with this person. He's deathly afraid. So, uh, she leaves so long, crumb bum. Yeah, so long, crumb bum. After old Sonny was gone, I sat in the chair for a while and smoked a couple cigarettes. So when he's smoking cigarettes, he also mentioned earlier in the last chapter, I forgot to point this out, but uh, when he when he uh, in his in his fantasy of not fighting the guy over the gloves, he even in the fantasy went and smoked some cigarettes to kind of cool off. <laughs> so like cigarettes is what he did right after uh, the uh, the fight with uh, Stradladder. Yeah. or the fight bef- no before that because when he came off. home, he smoked some cigarettes. Like, hey, would you put those out? Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah. any any stress and cigarettes are like directly related. Of course, yeah, yeah, and like for Holden, we've seen that connection, like where he's like uh, recovering from something kind of emotionally draining. So he does some cigarettes now, um, right when she leaves. Yeah, it was getting daylight outside. Boy, I felt miserable. I felt so depressed. You can't imagine. And this is very sad. What I did, I started talking sort of out loud to Allie. The dead brother. I do that sometimes when I get very depressed. I keep telling him to go home and get his bike and meet me in front of Bobby Fallon's house. Bobby Fallon used to live quite near us in Maine. This is years ago. Anyway, what happened was one day Bobby and I were going over to Lake Sedabigo on our bikes. We were going to take our lunches and all and our BB guns. We were kids and all, and we thought we could shoot something with our BB guns. Anyway, Allie heard us talking about it, and he wanted to go, and I wouldn't let him. I told him he was a child. So once in a while, now when I'm very depressed, I keep saying to him, Okay, go home and get your bike and meet me in front of Bobby's house. Hurry up. So, like, like as a symbolic, the mo- the one time he rejected his brother. Yeah, he was kind of unnecessarily cruel to his brother. Yeah, and all he wants is forgiveness for for taking his brother for granted. And he wants him. Yeah, come back in the fold. Come back in the fold, Ali. I'm sorry for rejecting you. You're back. In, you're back. Please in come. Room. Like, please. Ugh. I wasn't what the brother you needed to be in this moment, and I wanted to go back and fix that. Ugh. That, but he's also he's saying this out loud, so he's like, so, and such a bad place that he's acting out his darkest fantasies. Yeah, when Ali comes up, that means you know he's really he's really emotional, or he's. He's like close to a psychotic break. Yeah, of, like he's lit. Lament, like talking to his brother. Like he's alone in a hotel room talking to his dead brother out loud, trying to replay a scenario in which he wasn't the best brother. Yeah. He wanted to pray. So he, he now we get in this kind of like a weird religious tangent. So he wants to pray, but he doesn't. And he's already talked about he's an atheist. He likes Jesus, but he doesn't like the disciples. Yeah, and this is also weird because it shifts in tone because he's also being very funny about it because like, he's never not caustic and and like 
very honest about all this stuff. He goes like, take the disciples, for instance. They annoyed the hell out of me, if you want to know the truth. <laughs> they were all right after Jesus was dead and all, but while he was alive, they were about as much used to him as a hole in the head. <laughs> <laughs> all they did was keep letting him down. I like almost anybody in the Bible better than the disciples. If you want to know the truth, the guy I liked best in the Bible next to Jesus was that lunatic and all that lived in the tombs and kept cutting himself with stones. I like him ten times as much as the disciples, that poor bastard. And yeah, I used to get in quite a few arguments about it when I was at the Wooten School with this boy that lived down the corridor, Arthur Childs. Old Childs was a Quaker and all, and he read the Bible all the time. He was a very nice kid, and I liked him, but I could never see eye to eye with him on a lot of stuff in the Bible, especially disciples. Uh, he said that because Jesus picked the disciples, you were supposed to like them. I said I knew he picked them, but that he picked them that at random. Yeah. So this is also so funny of Holden to be like, even Jesus was stuck with the idiots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, like they're they're phony hangers on, right? They're like, yeah. Like, like Eddie, Ernie's fans, you know, they're yeah. just like people who are like around. Yeah, even Holden's like, reads the Bible and is like, look at the phonies of the Bible. The only person I like is the lunatic of Jesus. <laughs> yeah, like, who's the lunatic? I don't even know that story. What is yeah, that? Yeah, I don't. Re- I barely remember that story. Yeah, some just crazy guy. Um, hope maybe he got healed or something like that. Yeah, time. probably. Uh, but this is an interesting part. I remember I asked old Childs if he thought Judas, the one that betrayed Jesus and all, went to hell after he committed suicide. Childs said, certainly. That's exactly where I disagree with him. I said I'd bet a thousand bucks that Jesus never sent old Judas to hell. I still would, too, if I had a thousand bucks. I think any one of the disciples would have sent him to hell and all. At fast, too. But I'll bet anything Jesus didn't do it. So it's like his sense of forgiveness and how deep it is. Yeah. Like, he knows what it's like truly, uh, like, Judas is someone who was in desperate need of forgiveness, and he knew that Jesus, the one who saw forgiveness as the greatest attribute, would be the one who could give it to him. Jesus would do it, but none of the disciples would, he said. Yes. Yeah, which is, yeah, that makes sense. But it's also like a very thoughtful meditation on yeah. on the gospel. It's funny that he likes Jesus so much. Yes. Maybe he's, he's he's supposed to be kind of a Christ figure himself. No way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in English class, anybody could be a Christ figure, but Holden is definitely not a Christ figure. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, he just was hanging out with a prostitute. <laughs> ah, hey, I mean, you you can sell that. Yeah, you can sell that to anybody, probably. Yeah. But yeah, in my first place, my parents are different religions, and all the children in our family are atheists. If you want to know the truth, I can't even stand ministers. The ones they had at every school I've gone to, they all have these Holy Joe voices when they start giving their sermons. So he has the same problem with religion. He has with movies. He has with anything where it's like everyone becomes something to do these things. They're, yeah, they're phony. Yeah, they're they're per, they're performing. It's like a movie. But then there's a knock on the door, and we all know what it is. <laughs> I knew who. Okay, I don't know how I knew, but I knew I knew I knew who it was too. I'm psychic. <laughs> <laughs> Not psychic. You use context clues. That is so <laughs> it's funny. like three in the morning. Yeah. Who's there? <laughs> What's the matter? What do you want? I said, boy, my voice was shaking like hell. And so it's old Sonny and Maurice, the pimpy elevator guy. They're back for their five bucks. He did all the talking with the two of them. Old Sonny just stood there next to him with her mouth open and all. I paid her already. I gave her five bucks. Ask her. It's ten bucks, chief. I told you that. Ten bucks for a throw, fifteen bucks till noon. I told you that. You did not tell me that. You said five bucks a throw. You said 15 bucks till noon. All right. But I distinctly heard you. Open up, Chief. What for? So what's interesting here is that he's... The last chapter, he's like, I'm the yellowest guy in the world. This is very brave. And here he is fighting over the terms of agreement with a pimp. pimp. A New York pimp. Yeah. Like, this is serious. Yeah. So, yeah, he seemed very afraid. But, yeah, we see him being very brave here. So I think this is going to be... And it's just $5. He has $5. I know. But, yeah, $5 is more like 20 I had to be like... Like, imagine two twenties instead of two fives, right? But, like... Yeah. But even for him, like, still he has it to, like, all right, I... I'm gonna pay two twenties to not get beat up. It's, oh yeah, save your yeah, to t- save your life, right? It's like it's like the gloves, right? I mean, the gloves cost five dollars, probably. Yeah. So like, right? So he he was just brought this up, and so now he's you're seeing him change in real time, right? Like yeah. I'm brave now. He's he's very we'll, we'll see. He's pretty brave. I mean, he's standing up to him right away. Um, let's go. Let's have it. I gotta get it back. To, I gotta get back to work. I don't owe you a cent. I already gave her the five. Cut the crap now. Let's have it. Why should I give her another five bucks? I said. You're trying to chisel me. 
Old Maurice unbuttoned his whole uniform coat. All he had underneath was a phony shirt collar, but no shirt or anything. He had a big and he, fat. That's, that's, that's Colden's least favorite kind of shirt collar, the <laughs> phony shirt collar. <laughs> he hates those. Yeah, Maurice even is like not even wearing a full uniform. <laughs> I mean, that is probably something, right? But, I mean, the, the word phony... Uh, it just popped up accidentally, yeah. Yeah, it's funny how it's like, a, it's like, it's like. well, it's actually descriptive of the color, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. Nobody's trying to chisel nobody. Let's have it, Chief. No. Just that. And it's emphasized and it's no a period. No italics. Yeah, great. Um, he looked like he was very tired or very bored. God, was I scared. I mean, you are confronting him, so it's yeah. like he's being exceptionally brave. Yeah. I sort of had my arms folded, I remember... It wouldn't have been so bad. I don't think if I had just my goddamn pajamas on. I love that. He's got. He feels like a kid because he has his pajamas on. He's so got his pajamas on, fighting yeah. with a New York pimp. Over he's not $5. wearing. He's not wearing the adult uniform. He's wearing the thing of a kid. Yeah, yeah, he's fighting over this money. Let's have it, Chief. He was a real moron. <laughs> no, again, italicized with a period. Chief, you're gonna force me in a roughing you up a little bit. I don't want to do it, but that's the way it looks. You owe us five bucks. I don't owe you five bucks, I said. If you rub me up, I'll yell like hell. I'll wake up everybody in the hotel, the police and all. Go ahead. Yell your goddamn head off. Fine. Once your parents to know you spent the night with a whore, high-class kid like you, he was pretty sharp in his crummy way. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, yeah, he makes a good point. Holden's <laughs> going, yeah, touche, touche. I don't want you to tell my parents. Leave me alone. If you said 10, it'd be different, but you distinctly. Are you going to let us have it? He had me against the damn door. He was almost standing on top of me. So he's like pinned against the door, and he's still not backing down. I'm so surprised at Holden's bravery here. I think it's this is a really big step. I mean, he so he didn't have sex with the whore, but he seems like he definitely became kind of a man yeah. that night. I mean, something It took happened. a lot to be like, you know what, this went this far, but I can't go through with it. Yeah, I mean, like, he's talked a big game in the past with his principles and his, like, this is right, this is wrong, I hate this, I hate this, I hate this. Mm. But this is like, he's taking a stand on $5 when... No, why would you? When what are yeah. you doing? The, the least convenient no, time. Yeah. There's so many better times. Yeah, this is hu- this is huge for him. The more I see it, it's huge. Uh, leave me alone. Get the hell out of my room. Then sending said something for the first time. Hey, Maurice, I want want me to get his wallet. It's right on the whatchamacallit. Yeah, get it. Leave my wallet alone. I already got it. See, I'm, all I'm taking is the five you owe me. I'm no crook. <laughs> all of a sudden, I started to cry. I'd give anything if I hadn't, but I did. I love it. No, you're no crooks, I said. You're just stealing five. Shut up, old Maurice said, and he gave me a shove. And then here's a moment of tenderness from Sonny. Leave him alone, hey. Come on, hey. We got the dough heels. Let's go. Come on, hey. I'm coming, old Maurice said, but he didn't. I mean it, Maurice, hey. Leave me al- Leave him alone. Who's hurting anybody, he said, innocent as hell. And now it's just the bully who won. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he wants he wants the he wants the victory. You know, he got it. He wants to to have really won. Yeah. And it, and to picture this, so picture a grown man, an elevator, a New York elevator guy, and also a pimp, above a sixteen-year-old crying in pajamas, yeah, dude, about to beat him up. But I think Maurice Maurice smells a challenge. I think Maurice is like Maurice smells a challenge to his his alpha status. Yeah, he was not. He probably was not. A, he thought it was gonna be real quick. Like, yeah. hey, give me the five bucks, kid. We'll just which is on. why they did it. They did it because it's like, hey, we want to have five bucks. All you have to do is go up and ask for it. We'll get it. Yeah. Who's hurting anybody? He said, innocent as hell. Then what he did, he snapped his finger very hard in my jammas, pajamas. I won't tell you where he snapped it. <laughs> we know where he snapped it. His manhood. But it hurt like hell. I told him he was a goddamn dirty moron. That's his favorite expression to yell at people who he's fighting with. That's but for, This is the most tough guy he's called a moron all book, for sure. All novel. And even Maurice goes, what's that? He said. He put his hand behind his ear like a deaf guy. What's that? What am <laughs> I? So this is classic, just like, oh, you going to do it again, huh? Yeah, you going to try to get punk? Say it again. And to his credit, he was. I was still sort of crying. I was so damn mad and nervous and all. You're a dirty moron, I said. You're a stupid, chiseling moron. In about two years, you'll be one of those scraggy guys that come up to you on the street and ask for a dime for coffee. You'll have snot all over your dirty, filthy overcoat, and you'll be... Dash. <laughs> then he smacked me. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe he, got, he let him get that far, to be honest. I mean, this is... He's holding and telling this guy off like on like a existential level. Like, yeah. you're nothing. You're nobody. You're two years away from financial destitution. This is so badass. Yes, Holden has a capacity to just like, just verbal attacks in intense moments. But until now, it was all just other prep school kids. Like this is—he's challenging a real live 
dangerous man. Yes. And he's saying that you're going to be homeless in two years <laughs> and your jacket's going to be. What I love is that your jacket's going to be covered in snot. I love that. It. He's like, even in his most terrible moments, he's like, you got to have the details. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. He's really detailed. Yeah. He smacked him right in the. Yeah. He he uh, he fell on the floor. Yeah. Right. Looking over the floor, seeing him both got the door and shut it. Then I stayed on the floor a fairly long time, sort of the way I did with Stradladder. So this is, again, we already have a sort of model for how he has conflict with Stradlatter. This is very different, but yeah. it's still the same. Yeah. Only this time I thought I was dying. I really did. I thought I was drowning or something. The trouble was I could hardly breathe. This is a panic attack, right, Kev? Yeah, he's having a panic attack. But it, that's a good point about Stradlatter bringing up here because when Stradlatter hit him, it was like he was calling him, like, that's the, the problem with morons. They never want to talk anything. Where Stradlatter's like, Hey, don't say that again, or I'll yeah, hit you. Yeah, true. <laughs> and then here again, he goes, "Oh, you morons! You never want." And then, boom, he's hit. He's out on the floor. Yeah, his big mouth. So that again. is a good point about escalating confrontation. So he's first, he's he keeps losing these fights, but he keeps losing bigger fights. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is definitely bigger than the Stratlighter fight. It's a painful growth. There's yeah. no victories, but there is growth. <laughs> yeah, right. This is. I mean, like he's growing up right here. He's uh, having a panic attack on the floor of a hotel. Yeah, after getting in a fight with a pimp. When I did finally get up, I had to walk to the bathroom all doubled up and holding it on my stomach. And this is a really... F- this is really revealing, right? This is a great ending to this chapter, right? So, like, uh, he's by himself. He just... I think he, I think, I think. think he's probably proud of what he did. Probably, yeah. He's probably proud. I mean, he got in a huge confrontation after reflecting on how, cowardice, how much cowardice he has. Yeah. Over... A very strange circumstance and with like, a dangerous man. What should have been I like I like the subversion of the sexual awakening, right? Of yeah. like of like the becoming a man when you lose your virginity, maybe. Becoming a man when you stand up to a real man, definitely. You know what I mean? Yes. Like I like it's like it's like it's it's like uh, a bait and switch. You think this will be the moment where he becomes a man? Yeah. No. The moment comes right after that. When he doesn't lose his virginity, but he fights the man trying to take advantage of him. Masterful, masterful character work. I don't know if Sal- I don't know if anybody does it better than Salinger. This is crazy. But I'm crazy. I swear to God, I am. About halfway to the bathroom, I sort of started pretending I had a bullet in my guts. Yeah. So classic movie fantasy of a teenage boy. Think about the tap dancing. Think about the other. The other. Uh, you know, he's a performer. He's doing. He's he's sort of acting out these fantasies again with this. Yes. Old Maurice had plugged me. Now I was on the way to the bathroom to get a good shot of bourbon or something to steady my nerves and help me really go into action. <laughs> I pictured myself coming out of the goddamn bathroom dressed in all with my automatic in my pocket and staggering around a little bit. Then I'd walk downstairs instead of using the elevator. I'd hold onto the banister and all with all this blood trickling out of the side of my mouth a little at a time. You could picture all of this. Oh, yeah. What I'd do, I'd walk down a few floors holding onto my guts, blood leaking all over the place, and then I'd ring the elevator bell. As soon as old Maurice opened the doors, he'd see me with the automatic in my hand, and he'd start screaming at me in this very high-pitched, yellow-belly voice to leave him alone. <laughs> but I'd plug him anyway, six shots right through his fat, hairy belly. Yeah. Then I'd throw my automatic down the elevator shaft after I'd wipe off all the fingerprints and all. Then I'd crawl back to my room and call up Jane and have her come over and bandage up my guts. I pictured her holding a cigarette for me to smoke while I was bleeding and all. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. This is detailed, detailed fantasy of actually beating Maurice, of actually, like, winning the, the fight. And then who comes in at the end is old Jane Gallagher. And then Gallag- Jane Gallagher and comes over. That's such a teenage poor thing. How many, I mean, I've had so yep. many fantasies of, like, I'm going to beat up this guy, and then she'll see me as a hero. Yep. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then she'll, yeah, she'll be, like, she'll be cleaning your wounds, yeah, yeah. fanning your face. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's so funny. Of it's like classic. Yeah, he wants he, he wants to be picturing himself being a big man, and also like right instead of the prostitute, it's Jane Gallagher. You know, he yeah. wants to, that's where he wants to be. I stayed in the bathroom for about an hour, taking a bath and all. Then I got back in bed. No, 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 no. Right oh. before that, single paragraph, single sentence. The, the goddamn, goddamn movies. movies. Period. They can ruin you. Period. I'm not kidding. <laughs> period. So like, so the movies. The movies are are mentioned all the time. So this is a fantasy, a movie in his head. Um. The movies are the movies are phony. The movies are false. Uh, they're fantasies. They're false things. Like he's doing it right now. So he's claiming this is because of the movies. This this fantasy. Yes, and it's also a conflict to like. So that's a movie confrontation. You get some bourbon. You go down. You make this plan, and you shoot a guy with a gun. Yes. But right before it was a real life confrontation where you lose your money and you get beat up and you're alone on a hotel room. But floor. on the other <laughs> on the other hand, you called the guy a moron. I think I think he sees himself. I think he. Counts it as a win, though. Don't you think? Yes, for sure. He doesn't see himself being cool. But it's messy. 
It's messy. But the movies, it's all clean. It's clean. The girl comes over and holds a the cigarette <laughs> to your mouth as you're bleeding and all. Yeah. So it's the conflict of like, here's what a real confrontation is. You get beat up, you lose, you did the right thing, but you still lost. Yeah. What movies are is that now you get your revenge, you have a cool plan. You elevator get, shaft, wipe off the fingerprints, throw it down the elevator and shaft. And you win the girl. The girl comes over. Where'd she come from? Who knows? I wasn't even tired, but f- so now he's, and then here comes just a Ugh. dark paragraph. I stayed in the bathroom for about an hour, taking a bath and all. Then I got back in bed. It took me quite a while to get to sleep. I wasn't even tired, but finally I did. What I really felt like, though, was committing suicide. I felt like jumping out the window. I probably would have done it, too, if I'd been sure somebody would cover me up as soon as I landed. I didn't want a bunch of stupid rubbernecks looking at me when I was all gory. So I'm a, maybe I'm overstating. I mean, in this light, I could be overstating how much of a win Holden considers this. But I think he's just very overwhelmed with what happened. Oh, he's a. This is all one night. Remember that. Yeah. He's fought Stradlatter. He got on a train, flirted with a mom, got to a hotel, watched sex stuff happen from his window, huh. went down to dance with these Seattle girls. Then he went to Ernie's bar. Yeah. Talked with the DB's ex girlfriend. Walked 41 blocks thinking about how much of a coward he is. <laughs> Almost has sex with a prostitute. Almost loses his virginity to a prostitute. Gets in a fight with a pimp and now has a and then has a panic attack on the hotel room floor. Right, he's exhausted. He's a he's a he's a boy. Yeah, he can't handle this. And all this time, it's also emotionally, the girl he loves went on a date with a guy he thinks is an abusive jerk. Yeah, it's really all Jane Slavik around that date with Stradlitter. Yeah, he would never would have left. You know, Ed Banky's car. Ed Banky's car. Um, yeah. So, yeah. That's all that. That's one night. He's about to go to sleep. Yeah. This all, all fifteen chapters or fourteen chapters of one night. This feels like a turning point. I know it's it's the temptation is to make every episode seem significant, but this one feels huge. Yes. The first time he's gonna go to sleep, and now it's like, all right, I'm a man now. Yeah. What's I mean, what's next? I think I'm yeah. Like I, I'm uh I haven't read ahead at this point. Actually, I'm curious to read ahead. Um, I haven't I haven't reread after this, but uh. I mean, we see him. I think he's an adult. I think he's become a man. I think we have to we have to like look at that in this light from now on and see what happens. He's been put through the ringer, and I he's made some choices that were different than choices he made at the start. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, amazing. Uh, very fun. Um, I'm excited to keep going. It's only yeah. getting better. We'll see it for chapter fifteen. Fifteen, sixteen. Fifteen, sixteen. Next episode. Yeah, we're gonna see some uh, more New York. See some more. I don't know. I don't probably New York. More, I think women are coming along. <laughs> yeah, they they are. Maybe even some family stuff. Oh yeah, boy, Phoebe's gonna show up soonish, right? Yeah, I think Phoebe's coming up around the corner. She's near the end, but we are about halfway through, I think. So this this could have been a pretty significant. I think this is a pretty significant. Uh, yeah, events. turning point. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening, uh, our loyal listeners. Uh, my name is Terrence Hartnett. Uh, you can follow me at Ha Hartnett on Instagram, etc. And I'm Kevin Lopkovich. You can follow me at at Kevin Lopkovich on Twitter. Goodbye. Thank you so much.